Hey, 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 everyone. Welcome to episode six of the Bulldog Alley podcast. It is June 13th. I am your co-host, Cole Forsman, joined as always by the wonderful Asher Ali. Ah, what up, Cole? How you doing, bro? Yeah, not too bad, Asher. Um, summer hasn't really kicked off here in Spokane consistently. Um, kind of sucks, but you know, we're getting close to the NBA draft, so that's always fun to keep an eye on prospects and whatnot. College baseball still going on, so pretty glued to the TV still. How about you? Yeah, man, same. Uh, you know, we still got the NBA finals on right now, uh, NHL, Stanley Cup championship on right now. Uh, real quick, because right now, tonight is going to be game five of the finals. I know probably by the time this comes out, the game already happened. So let's see how bad our predictions are. What do you got tonight, Cole? Ooh, it's in Oracle, or not Oracle, but it's in San Francisco. <laughs> God, it's going to get weird to say. Um, yeah. I, I, I think the Warriors pull it out. Uh, I'll say Warriors by five. Okay, cool. I, 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 think, I'm gonna, I think I'm going Celtics. I, I think I'm going to go Celtics by three. I think that's, that's where I'm going to go with. I don't know. I just like the pattern is Celtics win, win odd games, Warriors win an even game. So okay. I'm going to stick to that. Um, and the Warrior and the, you know, Celtics haven't lost back to back, which I know doesn't really mean anything, but at the same time, it kind of does. So I don't know. I think I think I think game six will be a winner go home for the for the Warriors at home, though. So I, I'm hoping the series goes seven. That's been really fun so far. Yeah, I, it, fair point. I just I don't know. I can't I can't see Steph and the Warriors. The experience, I feel like at some point is going to have to show through. Uh, I know Clay's been off and on as his running mate, but I think tonight they. They pull it together, but Jason Tate's been unreal, and so is Jalen Brown at times. So, yeah, Jalen Brown's been really that dude, I think, for him so far. So it'll be fun to watch. Yep, and of course that that all happen after this. So you guys can probably make fun of our prediction <laughs> who was wrong and how far yeah. off we were. I was gonna but... say one of us is definitely gonna be wrong. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, one of us picked. Yeah, um, but we'll just kind of hop right into. Um, some Gonzaga news um, had the GU baseball coach, Mark Maktoff, um, was arrested uh, on Friday night in Reardon, a town outside of West Spokane, uh, for a DUI. Um, the police report said that Maktoff was seen kind of driving erratically. Uh, officer followed him to a store parking lot where he came out of the store. Um, clearly, you know, stumbling and whatnot. And um, he was later pulled over. Shortly after that, um, he did the physical or the, what do they call it, the tests uh, on the scene, but didn't or refused to do a breathalyzer on the spot. Um, he was then taken in under suspicion of DUI and turned in a BAC level of over three times the legal limit. Um, so, yeah, unfortunate news. Uh, just a reminder that it's not okay to drink and drive, uh, no matter what circumstance it is. Yeah, it's like like you said, it's unfortunate for sure. Um, with the season just ending for the team, um, you know, it's you know, I'm not going to try to get in the head of Coach Maktoff at all, but it's just a tough time, I think, for for anybody on that team, and it's a time where you know the the players, you know, the coaches are always there to be for their players, and they're trying to lift their players up and 
you know, improve them, you know, not just improve them on the field or on the, on the court or wherever, but improve, improve them throughout life. Um, and this is a time where the players can step up for their coach and they can be there for, for them and let, and let them know that, you know, this is, this is just, this is something they can move on from and learn from. It's a really big lesson. Um, you know, it's something that Gonzaga players have had to deal with before, not on the baseball team, but on the basketball team, um, as far as what happened earlier in on Labor Day weekend last year um, with Coach Few. And what's really unfortunate about it is just that it's now, I don't know, it, it you know, Gonzaga is a school that's definitely growing and, it, and it's appeal to athletes and students all around. Um, and seeing, you know, two longtime leaders on campus um, get struck with something um, as, you know, that, that's tough, like, like a DUI. Um, it doesn't look good for the school, but at the same time, it's more just about surrounding these coaches with love and letting them know that, you know, this is something that they can improve upon and it doesn't, doesn't define them as a coach or a person. Um, and, you know, it'd be really cool to see how, oh, okay. Um, it'd be really cool to see just how I think the players react to this and just, I hope next season, um, everybody kind of shows love for coach Maktoff because yeah, it's, it's a tough situation for sure. Yeah. Um, I know uh, the Gonzaga athletic director, Chris Sanford, he released a statement. I'm having trouble finding it right now, but it was basically just, uh, they wanted to respect Mac Toff's uh, privacy at the moment. So not many more details have come out of that. Um, like you said, it is fortunate, um, especially for someone like Mac Toff, who has been almost at Gonzaga for 20 years now. And yeah, we'll, we'll continue to follow that situation, but it's in the off season right now. Um, and I'm sure Gonzaga is going to handle this as internally as they can, just like they did earlier this year with Coach Few. Um, yeah. And it just shows, I mean, it just shows that, like, you know, people are human for better or for worse. Exactly. Um, even, you know, it doesn't matter how old you are, you, you still, you, you fail, you come up short sometimes um, in bigger ways than others. But um, it's just how do you, how do you learn from this? How do you grow? Um, we're all just humans and that's what we're trying to do at the end of the day. Yeah, no matter just don't drink and drive too. Just don't drink and drive. Just don't. No, doesn't matter, coach, player, or if you're just, you know, an average Joe that isn't an athlete or a celebrity. It, the law applies to everyone, and um, life lessons are to be learned for everyone. And these are still um, humans, even though we put celebrities and athletes on a pedestal. Sometimes we are all capable of making the same mistakes um, as our friends and peers. So. Anywho, we'll get into sort of a lighter note. Uh, Asher, you, I'm going to credit you with this idea, um, talking about moving gears here to basketball, um, kind of already looking ahead to next season. Now that the draft's approaching, of course, guys, um, across the country have uh, declared whether they're going to stay or not, come back to their schools. That applies for transfers as well. Um, freshmen and underclassmen sort of taking that next leap uh, at their respective schools after all the turnover has been processed. Um, and we just kind of wanted to give you guys, the listeners, our top 10 returners uh, for men's basketball in the WCC. Um, this list, of course, uh, objective or subjective, I should say, but I think we kind of we have an idea of uh, who the best bucket getters and who the best players are going to be next season, right? Yeah, yeah. As far as and, turners go. 
Yes, for sure. Um, and this was and this was a fun list to compile because it was a little bit challenging because I had some ideas of players I wanted to include or add because I was like, yeah, you know, they're maybe a senior, but they're coming out for a grad year or some players that I just purely missed on what on what grade they were they were entering. Um, and then there were some other players that you know were transferring in and out, but these are just players strictly that were in the WCC last year and are returning to the same program. Um, and we're ranking those players today. Uh, we each picked out 10, and uh, we can kind of just jump through the list. Uh, Cole, do you want to get us started with yours? Yeah, sure. I'll start. Um, do we kind of want to – you know, I, I have an order because um, I, I, at first I kind of just threw a list together, no particular order. I tried to rank. This is probably the best I'm going to be able to do because I'm indecisive. Um, but number one, I think you and I can both come to this consensus. It's going to be Drew Timmy. Um, I don't think we need to even mention his resume at this point. We all know he's one of the best players in the country and he's going to be back with Gonzaga. He'll be a force to be reckoned with. Uh, my number two is Khalil Shabazz fifth year. He's enter entering his fifth year. Um, now in college basketball, he's at USF. Uh, number three, I have Julian Strother. Of course, we all know him. Great Zag. Number four, I have uh, second entering his second year, Houston Mallet from Pepperdine. Then I have Logan Johnson from St. Mary's. He's entering his fifth year. Um, and rounding out the top, or I'm sorry, next is number six, six, uh, Fusini Trior. Did I say that right? Yeah. Trior? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Trior. Uh, second year uh, guy out of BYU. Next, Keyshawn Justice from Santa Clara. Alex Dukas from St. Mary's, Moses Wood from Portland, and last but not least, Tyler Robertson from Portland as well. Mm -hmm. uh, Cole, tell me a little bit about uh, your take on Justice and Moses Wood. Those are the two players that you had on your list that I did not include. And we'll get into my list in a second. I just want to hear kind of your takes. What do you see from both those guys? Um, they're both entering their fifth year at their respective schools. Um, I just want to kind of want to get your take. What do you see from them kind of growth-wise going into next season? Yeah, for Keyshawn Justice, um, obviously he's going to be, you know, without his great running mate, Jalen Williams, who did a lot for that Santa Clara team. So obviously I see Keyshawn kind of taking a bigger role uh, than he had last year. And he was already all WCC second team last season. He was very good. Um, you know, solid score while being – or sorry, good shooter. Uh, he was top five in WCC and three-pointers made. Um, he was top 10 in offensive win shares uh, and offensive rating. And I just sort of see him as an experienced guy who is going to be stepping into a larger role. He's a great shooter. He played very, played solid against uh, the Zags last season. So I kind of see him uh, just taking the next step um, in that regard. And then Moses Wood from Portland, you know, Portland didn't receive a whole lot of love last season. Uh, it was a tough year for them for you know, a whole lot of roster turnover from the previous year, new head coach. Um, but Moses Wood was quietly you know, all WCC honorable mention, um, solid score. Um, he was top 10 in most statistical categories from points. Uh, he had third best true shooting percentage last season. So um Sort of a turn, sort of turnover prone, turnover heavy. Um, but I think him along with 
Robertson and that whole core. Uh, you include, you know, Chris Austin as well. I think another year with all those guys together, I think all three of them really are going to be better. Um, I just sort of see Moses Wood um, as taking the next jump, the biggest jump uh, among those three. Yeah. Yeah, those are both guys that I had, like, kind of just missing out on my top ten. Uh, Wood especially, he's a good, really solid three-point shooter. I kind of have him in the same range as, like, Rasir Bolton, who I'll just a little spoiler right now, is also I left off my list um, just barely, though. So both those guys really solid, solid shooters. And you never know, like both of them, one of those two, both of them could just be just lights out from three and rack up probably the most points the WCC next season. It's entirely possible. Um, but no, so my top 10 uh, starts off the same as yours um, and probably just what anybody you ask this question to across the entire country. And it's going to be Drew Timmy, um, you know, coming back for a really solid senior year, we hope. Um, now, number two for me, though, I have Houston Mallet uh, going into his sophomore year at Pepperdine. Uh, we can talk about him more later, but I just think the kid's a dog at 6'5". Um, just a huge all-time scoring threat. Um, Pepperdine always seems to have one of those guys um, in their backcourt. Um, Julian Strother, then, for me, goes in, uh, as number three. Um, yeah, you know, we know Julian. Um, he's going to come back and do his thing. Then, number four, I have Khalil Shabazz, who I see taking the next step when Jamari Bouye um, steps away from the program for the pros next season. Number five, I have Alex Dukas um, from St. Mary's. Number six, um, I have Anton Watson uh, for Gonzaga. Um, number seven, Logan Johnson's returning for his grad year at SMC. Um, I learned from Andy Katz earlier today, which is great. Um, number seven, I have, or number eight, apologies. I have, oh no, sorry, number, yeah, number seven, Logan Johnson. Number eight, Tyler Robinson from Portland. Um, the big man that can shoot the rock. Uh, that's always kind of an impressive little dual combo there. Uh, number nine for me is, uh, is Treyor from BYU and rounding out my top 10, I have Julian Rishwain, the shooting guard, um, from USF entering his junior year. I think the two players that I have off, I have on, you don't are Rishwain and Watson, right? Those are the two. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So, um, Watson real quick. I, I do think he's going to start next year coming off the bench for Gonzaga. Um, I don't, I mean, it, it, but it also depends on what lineup uh, he wants to run with. But I, I do think in a six man, seven man role, I think he's going to be electric. I think his, we've seen steady improvement from him every single year. And also, the big thing for me every year is he gets more and more comfortable with the ball in his hand. Um, that just means he's going to be more of a threat on the offensive side of the ball. Um, and towards the end of last season, especially during the postseason, he was um, definitely very confident in the low and the high post. So I'm looking for those two that to improve a lot, and maybe if he even gets a little bit of a mid-range jumper, um, Watson can be can be definitely a dude for Gonzaga, like one of the fiercest six men probably the entirety of college basketball. Uh, Rishwain, um, you know, last year he he saw spotty minutes for USF. Like some games he would see a lot of time, and some games he wouldn't. Kind of just depending on how his shooting was going, kind of in like Duncan Robinson esque, I guess, for Miami for <laughs> Miami Heat. Um, a little bit well, when he was on man this kid was on he was lights out against us I remember both times we played him he almost single-handedly led uh, USF on a comeback when they were down by like 20 points they got back to within single digits because he went on like a like a four like he like he hit four straight threes or something like that against us last season um and I'm just looking for him to take that next step, be a, a more of a primary ball handler. Like I said, kind of in the same vein as Shabazz when um, Bouye leaves, I think he's going to step into more of a heavy role 
um, offensively for USF. He is a little bit of a defensive liability, but, um, you know, he just increased. He's already tenacious, though, so he just can't get in too much foul trouble. And I think the kid will be pretty good um, next year. So that's my top 10. Um, as far as where you want to start, you want to start talking about Treyor, uh, BYU a little bit? Yeah, sure. Um, this, this guy, I, I didn't really see his impact, um, a whole lot. Like at first, like I knew, you know, when we played them, um, he kind of got into a foul trouble early on against us. And so it was kind of hard to see firsthand in person, but, you know, you look at the rest of his year, he was all WCC freshman team. And just extremely efficient. Like you could tell he had a good feel for the game outside of um, some discipline areas when it comes to, you know, being a good shot blocker. But that kind of goes, you know, hand in hand. He was top, you know, one of the top uh, shot blockers in the league last year. He was great on the boards, tenacious uh, for someone his size. Um, and he was even top five in player efficiency rating and total box score plus minus um, for the WCC. So. I think next year, even now without Caleb Lohner, who, you know, if he hadn't transferred, I think he could have been on this, both of our lists, um, at least in that conversation for sure. Uh, but now with him gone, he's going to see even a larger role. Uh, BYU is going to lose out a couple of key players uh, for next year. Barcello won't be back, of course. So um, I think he's going to see uh, a lot more opportunity, both on you know, offensive side with that Lohner and then his impact just him another year of developing um getting that college that college body um for a basketball player i think he's going to help him a lot um i don't know you know space in the floor isn't really his thing uh but he's still an athletic freak so and yeah i just love the way he plays high energy high motor um and he's already you know shown that he can be really smart player moving forward. So I think BYU's got a nice solid piece uh, down low for the next few years, probably. What do you, what do you kind of see from him? Yeah, I, I see somebody who the offense at BYU can be run through in these next couple of years while they, I, I think BYU's in a recalibrating mode um, as they get ready to leave the WCC and head to the Big 12. Um, so this last year here at the WCC, I think it's a, it's a, it's a proving year for Treyor as far as whether or not he's going to be a piece for them you know, long-term for two or three more years after this, um, you know, but he was, a, you know, he averaged 9.7 points for a game last year on dang near 60% field goal shooting. And also like as a bigger body, you know, he's going to get to the line a decent amount, especially when you run the offense through him more and more. And he shot like 78% from this, from the charity stripe. So, um, you know, he's not a liability at all in that sense. You know, you gotta, you gotta like, you know, some teams might, you know, hack a shack or whatever, but you can't really do that with this guy. He's going to, he's going to take you to the hoop and he's going to make you pay for it with a couple and ones that he's going to convert on. So that's big. And then he was also number two on BYU and, and shots blocked last season uh, behind Baxter. So when, you know, you put that together and you just see more growth development, you know, maybe he even gets a little bit taller as his uh, wingspan increases. Um, those numbers are going to tick up too for him naturally. And he just gets, you know, just smarter with his physicality. That was the thing that really got him into a lot of trouble at Gonzaga. Um, I think he tried to go too hard at um, at both Drew Timmy and Chet Holgram, kind of thinking he would just kind of body them out of the way. Um, and they're definitely both of them are a little bit more for kind of finesse guys. Um, and he got caught lacking a few times, you know, especially in the first half. And that kind of had him sit for a while. And he couldn't make that as big of an impact. But when he was in the game, 
he was an offensive rebounding machine um, and we struggled to get boards over him. Um, so just, you know, you put all that together and that's a kid who's going to be an impact player in this conference for at least one, for one more year, I guess, until the BYU's out the door, not him quite entirely. Yeah. And, you know, he's, we saw him, you know, he played very well, uh, the WCC tournament, um, against USF, he was kind of big in the Cougars win there. So he's definitely on the up and up. Um, now you're really high on Houston Mallet. Um, I have him, you know, he's top five for me as a returner, but he's number, was he, I'm sorry, was he number two for you, correct? Mm-hmm. Yep. Talk a little bit about him because <laughs> we're both swinging on upside here um, yep. from someone mm-hmm. you know, entering their second year. Yeah, um, I think this kid's upside is as good as you've seen from a WCC guard in a long time. You know, like, I guess, you know, Gonzaga has had its fair share of guards who – have had a lot of upside, like a Jalen Suggs or something, but then they're out the door right away. You don't get to see them quite develop at the college level so much. Um, whereas uh, Mal was inserted into a starting role the moment he got to Pepperdine, and he just ran with it. Um, you know, he realized that he was the guy who could create offense for the rest of his team. I think, you know, he was, um, you know, he was a dual guard in every sense. I think, like, you know, he took the ball at the court a lot. He wasn't quite the you know, the numbers won't really show it as far as his assists are concerned but um if you look at his tape the kid is definitely able to find those passing lanes when it's the right time um he does have a high like you know his shot tendency is definitely um up there like if this was 2k he'd probably have like an a to an a plus shot tendency but <laughs> um but no he's you know at, at, at a size like six five and, and lanky and ex- uh, he's also pretty explosive too i'll, I'll give him that he's not yeah. just like um, you know, you're because sometimes you know those skinnier, lankier guys. You're like, oh, he's fluid and he's smooth, but he doesn't have that explosive power off the jump. Nah, man, this kid can get off. This kid can get off on one foot and make you pay for it if you even has you beat by half a step. So I and and the other reason why I see his numbers taking off really big time too is because I don't think the WCC is full of a lot of great defensive guards next season. So I think in conference, I think he's going to do a really good job blowing by guards um and you know making them pay for for not having their uh wits about them when when they're on him but uh you know he might then he'll have to go up against some forwards and you know he can maybe draw two defenders and then dish it off to another guy on pepperdine but i i just see him just kind of proliferating as far as his stock's concerned um you know i'm, I'm no draft es- expert especially for not just this season but not, not just the, the 2022 draft but the 2023 draft but I could see his name being up there as far as maybe a first round pick next year, a late first or something. Um, You know, and and you look at a guy like, to me, he kind of looks like a, a more athletically inclined Jalen Williams. Like Jalen Williams is is an athlete for sure, but, um, but just, he doesn't have the length of the size that, um, that, uh, that Mallet does. So I think, I think Mallet can be the next kind of Jalen Williams and, and I love Jalen Williams. Um, so I, I see Mallet definitely taking that, that spot in the WCC. Yeah. I mean, when you just started talking about him like that and his frame, you know, too, mm-hmm. it, it does sound a lot like Jalen Williams, a high usage guy. Um, and yeah, he, that said is, you know, it wasn't the most efficient player last season for Pepperdine, but I think you, you know, kind of just tossed put that to the side for a second, you know, as a freshman who did have to start 29 games. And yeah, I think 
next season is, is going to be a big year for Pepperdine in general because they do have, you know, not just him, they have Maxwell Lewis, who didn't star nearly as much um, as used to Mallet, but they also have Mike Mitchell Jr., who has showed promise as a guard. So um, I think those three are a great core for Pepperdine to sort of build around. Um, and yeah, it, I think he could be a really good bucket getter uh, in the WCC next season. So sort of banking on that high potential. Um, he was one of the better recruits, um, correct me if I'm not, that Pepperdine has had in a very, very long time, him and Maxwell Lewis, uh, those two. So they'll be fun to watch um, for sure. Um, yeah. And it makes Pepperdine, like, you know, Pepperdine last year was definitely an afterthought kind of program. Um, they yeah. weren't really, you know, and I, and I remember going into like covering Pepperdine games. It was like, oh, you know, look out for that freshman. And, you know, he's pretty good, but there wasn't much tape on him at that point. Now there's the tape. Now there's the reputation that he has. And I think like, you know, more people on the West Coast are going to be looking out for, for, um, for Mallet when, when he comes to town with Pepperdine. So that'll be really fun. Um, next, you want to talk about Tyler Robertson a little bit? Uh, Portland's perhaps prodigal prodigal son um <laughs> maybe in some ways uh I don't know to me he's kind of like an anomaly kind of player so I just want to kind of get your thoughts on him yeah um he, he was number 10 for me um and normally I wouldn't say that about somebody who was probably like the guy the guy for his program last season I mean he did everything for Portland at you know, Moses Wood was great, but um, it was clearly the Tyler Robertson show for them. Um, and, of course, being on Portland, he's not going to get you know, a whole lot of hype. He is one of those Eastern Washington transfers that uh, Coach Liggins was able to lure down to Portland. Uh, he started all the games to them, of course. He is an anomaly. Um yeah, I, it's hard to factor in someone like him who has all the counting numbers uh, and is just, you know, a great bucket getter when it doesn't contribute a whole lot to you know, winning basketball. Um, and I think that's why he was number 10 for me. You know, great, a big man that could shoot, and that's obviously valuable in any, in any level of basketball. He's 6'8", and he was still one of the better shooters uh, in the conference last year. So... I think, again, I kind of alluded to it earlier, Portland still last year, a lot of turnover. I think this year could be, you know, I think it'll be a lot better for them. You know, now a whole year uh, together, they have a whole off season to uh, improve, uh, build that chemistry. But, um, and I think it's going to be um, on Tyler Robertson's shoulders uh, again this year. So kind of see how, how he plays. Um, and yeah, how the rest of that team sort of gels. But what do you think about him? Because I know you had him sort of lower on your list um, as well. Yeah, I, I, I had him at eight um, for a lot of the same reasons, both good and bad. You know, he's he's a big he's the big fish in the small pond, literally at Portland. Um, mm -hmm. He's that dude, um, which maybe works to their detriment a little bit, just because he's not he's not a fast paced player. Um, he plays quick. He he plays decently quick, but he's not the guy's going to push the pace for a team that needs the pace to be pushed in order for them to even get out, to get out to a lead at any point. Um, but with that being said, you know, like you said, he's counting number, his counting stats are just are pretty off the walls as far as um, a Portland player we've seen the past couple of years. So he's, 
like for that he's going to grab your attention um and he is like you know you can as at six six but a, a decent a decent size though he can still play you know he plays a big two and a big three um if you need him to drop down to the four he can um i don't recall him being a stellar defender to be honest but i do know that he can at least hold his own um at the three spot so um just kind of put him you know maybe in the high post or something around there in the mid-range and he'll be all right um but yeah no, a lot of the same a lot of the same things he's he's going to be the guy that they run their offense through him and moses wood um but is that a recipe for success for them is that a formula that's going to lead them to a lot of wins that i i, I can't tell you but who knows he, he might be yeah um he was top 10 in the wcc for steals but you know, we all know that steals don't translate um, to how great a defensive player is to begin with. But um, yeah, he he's going to come back um, as all the returners. He but leads every, all returners next season uh, in points played last or point minutes played last season. Wow, I, that, that jumped out of my mouth. Um, but I, I don't see his usage going down either. So probably another great counting year for him. Um, but We'll, we'll see how that Portland team uh, sort of looks going forward. Yeah. Um, last player I kind of want to talk with you about, Cole, um, before we get out of here and get to watching game five of the finals is uh, Khalil Shabazz. Um, to me, I, I, I'm, I'm, a big, I'm a big fan of his uh, watching him play last year against us. Um, I loved watching that pairing of him and, and Jamari um, just kind of tear it up a little bit and he had a bad shooting out against us it was kind of funny when they played us in the regular season I think he had one bad game and Jamari had one bad game they kind of and then the other game they kind of took over for each other um but he, he's he's a talent for sure and I just kind of want to get your thoughts on where you see him taking USF next season like where do you see under his two under his tutelage and guidance where do you see USF kind of going yeah um you know Jamari Bouye is gonna be gone it was it was fun watching them uh, play together. Um, I probably only say that because, like you said, not both of them didn't dominate us. So it was usually one or the other. Uh, next season, though, I, I think he's going to be great. Uh, he was all WCC second team this year. He's going to come in as one of clearly the most experienced players um, in the WCC. This is be fifth year, uh, all of them at USF. So I think he's going to be the leader uh, on the court and in the locker room for them. They're losing, of course, Jamari. They're going to lose uh, the big men that they got from San Diego last season. So as a whole, the roster, you know, we'll see how it pairs out or plays out. Uh, but for Khalil, I think he's just going to be just as dominant. Um, I think he's going to have that same impact. Um, you know, he's kind of going for that Drew Timmy, like one last ride. He's going to, you know, try to put the team on his back. Um, but, yeah, I – Great shooter, um, high volume guy. Um, does it sort of all? He sort of did it all for um, USF last season, and I kind of think he. We know who he is, um, but you know, I think he's just going to excel um, in a larger role now. Yeah, yeah, and I, I do think it comes at a cost for USF next season um, with Golden leaving. Right, because Golden, Golden's out the door for USF, right? Golden He's, went to Florida, yeah. Yeah, he went to Florida, that's right. 
And uh, they also are just a bevy of other players that were huge for them last year, not just Jamari. Um, the other one that stands out for me, this is a guy who I was going to have on my list until I realized he was a graduate student is Johan Masalski. M- like I just, I thought he was going to be there next year. I thought he was a given. Um, and he wasn't, he was in battle with injuries all of last season. Um, so a lot of other players have to step up for USF to be anywhere near as prestigious as they were last year. Um, but Khalil is the guy that is definitely going to be there for them when they need them the most, um, just like the avatar. Um, so it's going to be really cool to watch him um, show his stuff and just, you know, as a smaller guard um, from, from Seattle, actually um, mm-hmm. from the Seattle area. Uh, I, it, you know, I, I'm looking forward to when he comes over back to GU and, and gets to play um, in the, uh, in the McCarthy, but even um, other teams that they play next year, um, I'm not sure how their scheduled non-conference is looking, but it would be really cool to see him go up against some other top-level guards because I think, you know, he could have a similar – because, like, you know, Jamari, you look at Jamari, he was the guy who flew into the radar the entire year until they got to the NCAA tournament and he balled out against Murray State and, like, you had, like, all these NBA guys like, yo, who's this dog? Like, he's crazy. Um, I think Khalil can be the same way. Like, he – he played, he applies like a similar pressure against the defense he plays against. Like he really puts them on their heels and makes them think like, okay, how are we going to guard this guy? Cause he's just kind of a freak when he wants to be. Um, and he just kind of needs to turn up to 11 next season um, with a younger team. Uh, Cause I think, uh, is it Josh? Yeah. Josh Coonan is probably going to be their main big man next year. That's at least how I see it un- un- unfolding for him. Um, so if he worked well off of Kunin, kind of like Masalski worked well off of Bouye, um, you know, it's going to be, di- it's going to be a different looking, it's going to be a different looking team, but they can bring it the same kind of energy. Um, and Khalil is the X factor in that. So that's why I had him, you know, high on my list too, because um, he can kind of turn USF back into a prestigious program if he wants to. Yeah. We've seen him contribute um, to winning basketball uh, at a very high level. Uh, he's an absolute pest. Uh, on the defensive side of the floor, you know, just like Jamari was. And um, yeah, I, I, as someone who's just a fan of you know, older guys who I've watched for a few years now, I hope he gets to go out on top or not on top, but, you know, he gets to have one last great run like Jamari did. Um, and hopefully he gets sort of the same buzz you know, more so um, for the NBA draft next year, but as an undersized guard, um, you know, it's, you know, hard to come by but yeah I think the list that we just gave um it was fun to do uh, mm-hmm. I was I was wondering you know how close we were going to be you know we'll only have two different players our orders of course going to be different but you know, I speak for myself and I say you know you can make a case number six guy can be number eight and number eight could be 10 and 10 could be six whatever um I think we both did you, I know you mentioned Razier Bolton barely missing out. Um, did you have anybody else uh, that you were close to putting in to that number 10 spot? Um, Moses Wood, I guess it was kind of up there. Um, I, I can't say I considered Nolan Hickman, but he was somebody who I would, I think is in that kind of 10 to 15 range as far as guys returning next year. Um, and then uh, San Diego has a couple of guys, Marcellus Erlington, and Wayne McKinney, um, the third, those guys are all, um, McKinney's going, uh, was a pretty stellar freshman for, I think, uh, San Diego last year. And, uh, Erlington was their rock. 
So those are the guys who I had that could maybe break into like, and you know, they have such a good chance of next season being a top 10, top five guy who knows it's all up the year at this point, but uh, for the moment I had them left out, but they can definitely sneak their way in. Yeah. Um, I think I, I sort of agree with that. Uh, I considered Erlington uh, Maxwell Lewis from Pepperdine, who was other, uh, another good uh, freshman for the waves, Alfonso Anderson, um, from Pacific, um, you know, kind of just a good score, you know, got a lot of buckets, uh, last season. And then Chris Austin from Portland, I considered as well, uh, Razier Bolton too. I think I probably left Bolton off just for the fact that GU has so many guards and it's like, I I see some of these other guys just, you know, playing a bigger impact, um, not to say talent wise, but, um, you're just going to see on the court more. So. Yeah, impact is, impact is everything in this conference. It's 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 the it's the it's the little things, the inches that you can make up for in the minutes you're playing, and the guys that I think that we listed, the guys that are going to be on the court the most to kind of make those inches up. Yeah, yeah, I I agree with that wholeheartedly. Um, and yeah, once again, great fun list to put together, good exercise. Um, you know, maybe we'll have other themed lists like this and rankings uh, going forward throughout the off season. Um, mm-hmm. But for now, I think that I think that kind of covers all the topics we wanted to yeah. uh, talk about today. Uh, once again, this was episode number six of the Bulldog Alley podcast. Uh, I'm your co-host Cole Forsman, Asher Ali. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> as so, um, Asher, enjoy the rest of your week. I will catch you next time. Uh, go ahead for those listening. Go ahead and follow. Gonzaga Nation SI on all the social media platforms. Uh, Continue listening to our podcast. We appreciate it, guys.